Good morning, listeners, and welcome to this week's Ag Report. I'm Jim Finn. Later on in the programme, I will be talking to Martin Hayden, TD, and Minister for State at the Department of Agriculture, Food and the Marine, and we will be talking about the National Dialogue on Women in Agriculture. I will also be talking to Baden Paul, who is the chairperson of the IFA in North Tipperary, and we'll be talking about the AGM of the IFA itself and, of course, then the AGM of the North Tipperary branch of the IFA. And my final guest this morning will be Fran Igo from LawPro, and we will be talking about a series of stories that are going to be broadcast online on Thursday next, World Water Day, and uh, that should be very interesting as well. My first guest this morning, listeners, is John Greeny from Chagas, and uh, we're going to be discussing fertiliser, starting off, hopefully, with a slurry, and I'm quite sure that both my farming listeners and listeners elsewhere are well aware at this stage that uh, slurry tankers are moving all over the county. Good morning, John, and thanks very much for joining us. Thanks for having me, Jim. Good morning. To you. How are you keeping? I'm very well, thanks. Good to have you back on the programme. So, as I said there, thanks. now you're going to we're going to start off with slurry and the value of it and how to maximise that value. Yeah, we are, Jim, and sure, look, as you said there, um, I suppose any road we've done this week, we've been either stuck behind a tractor or we've came across a tractor in a slurry tanker, be, be it on the road or whatnot, on our trips in and out to the office or work or wherever you may be going. Um, look, slurry has long been a valuable resource, but I suppose with the increase in fertiliser costs and they're continuing to rise, probably making the most of your slurry is even more important. Um, it's time to maybe, this time of the year, to maybe set a clean slate and set a, a fertiliser plan and to maybe pick and choose your paddocks to use your uh, slurry effectively and get the most from it, you know. So I suppose really in essence, Jim, um, the point I'm trying to make is to start the plan now. So any fertilizer plan starts with a soil analysis. Okay, so look, we can't manage what we don't measure. So be it if it's getting the soil sample taken, getting in touch with your local advisor, popping into the office or giving him or her a quick phone call to maybe get a nutrient management plan or get some advice, and maybe what the fields should be getting or what you should be targeting um, to maybe put here or there, depending on your system or your stocking rate or whatnot. Okay. Another one is maybe understanding the value of, of your story, Jim. So as I mentioned there, the price of fertilizer has increased um, last year and this year, unfortunately, it hasn't seen any uh, major drop. So urea is trading around maybe 900 euros a tonne with 18,612 in compound fertilizers around the 850 mark. Like, you know, so it is very expensive in terms of what's in our slurry, typical slurry of roughly 7% cattle dry matter is coming in there. If it's spread with an LES system, it's coming in or it's a thousand gallons is the equivalent of nine five thirty. So a thousand gallons is the equivalent of a fifty kilo bag of nine five thirty. So it's important for farmers to understand that and and maybe plan maybe what is going where and maybe not to not to not to maybe put out too much if it's not needed because look it is it is really valuable stuff. The weather over the last number of days has been ideal. I suppose we spoke there. Um about ground conditions improving, um, traffic abilities, there's a world of tankers out there and it's an ideal time, I suppose, at the minute. Um, ground is drying out day by day 
and really and truly farmers should be dividing their farm into into three so there's, there's paddocks there that may be grazed off very very tightly or maybe um, grazed off into december so there's no cover on them so we should ideally be getting our slurry out in them them paddocks maybe there's paddocks there with with a medium cover the farmers are trying to maybe target with a little bit of bag fertilizer or half bag urea and then there's paddocks there that maybe were closed that bit earlier and have higher covers and, and maybe farmers are trying to build a bank of grass so the target is to maybe get them paddocks grazed off Jim before they get an application of slurry or chemical fertilizer you know you were talking there about the value of it. So basically then if if you wanted to put out 27 units of nitrogen you're really talking about what uh, three three tankers. Yeah, you're 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 talking about roughly 3000 gallons. Now yeah. look this time of the year the advice would be to maybe maybe not go with a heavy application because look the weather can be quite changeable Jim like you know this yeah. week all right has been has been very dry you know to be fair but look this time of the year unfortunately we're not out the woods yet like you know we generally do get a to get a deluge now and again, like, you know, so ideally, look, I'd be going with an application of maybe two, two and a half thousand gallons of slurry, like, you know, if I'm only going with my splash plate, Jim, unfortunately, that nutrient value is, particularly on the nitrogen side of the house, anyway, is uh, is is only one third of the fraction. So that nine units of, of N that's, um, that's there from the LES method of application, it reduces to three with the splash plate um, or five. OK, so you're, you're not getting as you're a big a bang for your book. If you're not putting it out with a, a low emission slurry spreading equipment now um, yeah and john isn't there then conditions put on how far away you have to keep from a water course there is jim yeah so so roughly 25 to 200 meters of a water abstraction point from human construction or human consumption so luckily five meters of surface waters um 10 meters of surface water is where the slope towards water exceeds 10 percent you know there's there's a few there's a few different parameters there the farmers need to be need to be aware of i suppose the, the easiest thing of all is if, if farmers are unsure is to get in touch with their local advisor jim and uh him or her put them on the right the, the right course of action uh, of course and they i suppose farmers would want to be aware of again it's something that was announced a few weeks ago by the department that you know their farms are going to be scanned from the sky as the fella said three or four times a week so if they do spread slurry in the wrong area the, the department will have information about that yeah look it's 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 always it's, it's always in the back of our minds look farmers and they're generally generally they try to abide by best practice like mm-hmm. it's a few maybe checklists this time of the year is very very busy on farms calfing is kicking off again like you know so look farmers are always rushing and chasing their tails but look it's always important number one to check the close period dates which have now obviously lifted um two is never to spread near water courses and always abide by the buffer zones like you know so there's a yeah. few different things there that they need to adhere to like you know but in, in general look farmers are farmers are aware of those and if they're not as i said to get in touch with your with your local chagas advisor you know okay coming on then to spreading chemical fertilizer farmers will be looking for a grass early in the season the cover that you're saying even heavy cover that's out there now that disappears fairly fast it does yeah jim like the, the majority of guys are guys that are on the ball might have a have a cover done on pasture base a lot of guys mm-hmm. have even been on the road now most guys are there's a bit more i suppose action abroad in the fields you might see been fences or temporary reels being set up cows i know have been out over the last number of weeks those that maybe have been milked on over the winter months and those early calfers 
Um, look, it's good for it's good for men to get cows and stock out of the yard, especially early in spring, to maybe alleviate the workload um, and, and give them maybe a chance to to get organised and, and have less feeding to do around the yard, like you know. Yeah. Um, in in re- in relation to the early fertiliser, look, Jim. I suppose going back to the point I made earlier is the easiest way to come across is to divide your farm into three. So, look, those uh, paddocks that have been grazed or that there's very little cover on, you're going to go with your two two and a half thousand gallons of slurry. You know, ideally with your LES system, so your dribble barrier trail and chew. The second part of the farm or the second um, section of the farm, um, maybe will be covers of maybe. 800 to maybe 1200 so cover of anything from maybe six or sorry eight centimeters to maybe 10 or 11 centimeters and um, this time of the year okay so you'd be targeting to get cows out there mm-hmm. and maybe get them accustomed to grazing again so we have to remember the cows have been indoors for maybe the last 100 days or whatnot so they've been they've been more used to eating silage and whatnot so we just need to get them back up and running again so we're obviously not going to hit them higher higher covers and then medium covers could be targeted with maybe a half bag of urea so look ideally soil temperatures would be a bit a bit higher gym like you know so grass starts growing at over six degrees so look we're probably a little little bit early all right we're going with our bag fertilizer but if guys are eager to get something out you'd be looking to the along the lines of a half bag of urea which which would give you the 23 units you know Um, and the heavier covers ideally You'd be looking to get them grazed off, you know, when you get get a bigger mob of cows out of grass. Okay, and John, before I let you go, then, what are the three things that you would recommend a farmer to do right now with regard to his fertilising program for the early part of twenty twenty three? Yeah, first and foremost, you would be get the soil samples taken. So, look, a lot of guys still haven't moved or any slurry. Um, and they haven't um, haven't haven't done much in terms of turning out stock or or even ordered fertilizer for the spring ahead. So look, you're not too late. Get in touch with your local advisor. He or she will organise to get samples taken and get them analysed. Like, you know, the second thing would be to to do a nutrient management plan. So look, when you get them soil samples back, there's no point in throwing them on top of the fire or, or even in the fire gym. In some cases, you need to analyse them and put them into a nutrient management plan. Okay, so. You, you know what exactly you need for the year ahead in terms of what fertilizer in and what fertilizer out and maybe where you're targeting your slurry. Um, the third thing then, Jim, would be maybe in ter- terms of legislation. So anyone that's stocked over 150 kilos of organic in um, legally, they have to spread their slurry with an LES system this year. So that's looking at either a dribble bar or a trail and shoe. Okay, so just to be aware of that. Um, Apart from that, that's really it, Jim. Merchants are saying that um, compound fertilizer could be scarce this year. So, again, it's coming back to our slurry and getting the best use out of it, you know. Or even testing slurry, Jim. In some cases, it might be no no harm to maybe test a, test a tank of slurry if farmers really want to want to get a true handle on what nutrient value that slurry is. They could send a sample off to uh, FBA or, or we could do it for them. Yeah. Um, or they could purchase a hydrometer there for maybe 40 or 50 quid, which which would in turn analyze the the nutrient content of that slurry. Okay, well, look at John, we leave it for that. Thank you ever so much for joining us this week. That listeners was John Creaney from Chagas uh, talking all about slurry and chemical fertilizers. Listeners, my next guest this morning is Minister Hayden from the Department of Agriculture, Food and Fisheries. And some of you may be aware that in the coming days and in particular on the 1st of February the National Dialogue on Women in Agriculture is taking place 
and I have the Minister to tell us all about it. Good morning, Minister, and thanks ever so much for joining us. Good morning, Tim. Delighted to be with you. OK, well, it's good to have you back. We were only talking a few weeks ago. I didn't realise that this event is taking place in Port Leash at 9am on Wednesday next. So, can you tell us a little bit about the background, Minister? Yeah, so look, uh, ultimately, um, obviously, uh, next Wednesday is St. Bridget's Day, the 1st of February, um, a very important day, and uh, St. Bridget, a very important female character as the patron saint of, of, of milkers and um, many others, uh, a great Kildare woman, which I would say myself, um, that's a big imprint on Kildare, um, but also, you know, it's, it's the start of spring, and it's a great opportunity and time for us to have this national dialogue on women in agriculture, because... This is a really key issue, Jim. You know, women have always been really central to farm enterprises across the generation, but often in roles that weren't visible um, are sufficiently recognised. You know, how many women have played senior management roles in farms and enterprises in the country, but their name never appeared on official documentation or that that was recognised in that way. So this dialogue, in addition to um, the specific measures which we have introduced in UCAP, is part of efforts to correct that imbalance and ensure greater representation by women as farm holders and as decision makers on farms, many of which are in that space already, but also to encourage it, uh, you know, more uh, mm-hmm. women into farming into the future as well. Yeah, and I suppose, as you know and I know, that, OK, women have played a major role, but it has been in the background rather than in the foreground of farming. Uh, I'm particularly thinking about the wives of or the partners of farmers across the country and all the work they did, particularly, you know, with regard in recent times with regard to the filling of farms and looking after uh, all uh, the necessary documentation that farmers now have to send in. But before that, and I can remember here on uh, our own farm, the women, they fed the calves to look after the calves. They were the people who uh, made certain sure that calves lived. So women have played a major role in Irish agriculture. Oh, absolutely. Whether it's the physical work or it's those management decisions. And, you know, as a huge generalisation, women bring, bring a different perspective and approach to decision-making as well. And in many, many instances, that partnership between uh, the man and the woman on the farm um, or the father and daughter, or as the case may be, has been, been really, really important. But we have a very per- small percentage of females who are actually farmers in their own right as recognised. Um, and in those cases, you know, traditionally, it probably has been like my own personal case at home when my dad died when I was young, that um, the, the woman inherited the farm in circumstances that weren't anticipated um, at a young age and, and kept it on and, and drove on and, and raised me in, in that. Um, you know, I, I was unique enough to be raised by a, a woman who was a farmer and continued to farm there afterwards. But so often it, it has been the case that uh, the opportunity hasn't arisen uh, for the female the same way, but for those who have been part of that partnership, who have played an active role. And like, I know many farming families where you know, big decisions um, around investment, around future direction of the farm wouldn't be taken um, without, you know, uh, equal input um, from from the female in the household as well and her view as to what was the right approach for that farm and for that approach. So what we're really about in the Department of Agriculture is recognising that um, females 
continue to play a really important role in our farming industry uh, and in our in our farms and enterprise of the country. Um, it can be better. There are weaknesses in that area, and there's more we can do from a policy perspective to encourage their participation. And that's why under the new cap, we're increasing the grant rate of 60% under the capital investment scheme to fund investments by trained female farmers. The promotion of women-only knowledge transfer groups is something we're taking on because it has been feedback to us that you know, a female farmer might feel um, a male-dominated knowledge transfer group is, is hard in which to have your say. So uh, female-only knowledge transfer groups are something uh, that, that will be promoted. And improved um, recording and reporting of gender data and the leveraging of the national network to increase the involvement of women in, in the implementation of CAP. All of these interventions are really important, as well as EIPs and, and, and different um, interventions we can make. But the, the dialogue and the event that's happening um, next Wednesday is a really important part of that because we have a great lineup of speakers um, that will lead the discussions and the workshops. And, you know, from this uh, national dialogue on women in agriculture, we would hope to get new ideas and new perspectives from women in agriculture in Ireland um, as to new policy directions that we can implement that will have strengthened their role, which is really what we're all about. And I'm looking at the uh, the top line of your speakers here and former Minister for Agriculture, Mary Coughlin, the current Minister for Agriculture, yourself and Senator P- Pippa Hackett take up uh, the top the top row. So that's a formidable line out. I wouldn't mind if there's a full back line here in Tipperary. It, look, it's, um, it, it, there's a good line up here of speakers and we also then have uh, a number of outside speakers, as well as ourselves, the politicians, and Mary Cochran, the former Minister for Agriculture, um, who brings her expertise and experience to the fore, with it, including the former German Minister for Agriculture, Julia Kochner, uh, Glambia PLC CEO, Siobhan Talbot, um, as well as our, ourselves as the Minister. So, you know, it, it really is going to be a great day. There's been a huge interest in it, um, and I think we'll get great learnings uh, from that as well. But it's, as I say, it is a nod to the fact that we are taking a new approach here in terms of looking at the role of women in agriculture in Ireland and how can we strengthen that their position because it's not to just make more of them be farmers. Uh, there's plenty of them are farming already, but to make sure that that's properly recognised and then to also look at pathways and impediments uh, to more women being considered, let's say, to inherit the farm and, and such things and how we can change that mindset because sometimes we don't always recognise that there are impediments there. There is certain set thinking um, when a farmer has sons and daughters that maybe the sons are looked to first. And uh, I, I believe, uh, you, you know, um, you know, we should definitely get to a point where all children are considered equally. Um, and I know at home, I have three boys and I have one girl and she'll get a fair crack at being the farmer as the three lads, depending on uh, who has the most interest and who shows the best hand at it. And, and that's the way we should all be looking at these things into the future. Right, yo, and I've looked, gone down through the rest of the speakers. They're all women. Uh, yourself and uh, Charlie McConnell, OTD, are the only two males around uh, this wonderful that's event that's taking place. And you really do have some very high-powered Irish women speaking on the day, or at least interacting with people during the day. Yeah, no, absolutely. And look, it's it's an acknowledgement of the fact that women currently account for some 18,000 or 13% of all farm holders in Ireland. And that figure is very low and it's not really reflective of the massive contribution and impact they have in agriculture. So we want to make sure that uh, we, uh, we we turn that around, uh, we change that and, and that the role of women in agriculture is recognised um, uh, much more so, which is really important. 
Now, Minister, anybody listening to the two of us this morning and this chat, and they are uh, interested, uh, particularly any women that are interested, uh, I presume a registration is still possible, is it? Registration actually is full, such as the interest in this, Jim. Oh, right. So uh, if those who haven't registered yet uh, won't be able to do so now, I'm afraid, such as the level of interest there is in this. And you can be sure we'll be having more events in the future um, to, to build on this. But it's a pointer to the success that's there. We're, we're, we're scratching on the surface of something that's very big, and I think um, we'll be doing a lot more work on. Um, but there'll be uh, extensive reporting from this event next Wednesday as well. Um, and for those who will be there, um, you know, I think it's going to be a, a really a really interesting um, uh, workshop and, and debates will be had. Well, look at Minister, I want to compliment you and the department in this initiative. I think it's a wonderful idea and I'm delighted to hear that it's it's full, but I will look forward to maybe doing a piece in the coming weeks on the outcomes. I think uh, they would be something of great interest to my listeners and to women in general across the whole island of Ireland. Which is exactly what we want. This isn't just a one-day event. Um, you know what we're going to do here is have this as, as, the, as the you know a significant point in the process where we are looking to change the view of, of women in agriculture and strengthen that position uh, for the betterment of Irish agriculture as well and, and society across rural Ireland. Okay, well, look at Minister. I know you're very busy. I want to thank you ever so much for taking time out to have a chat with us. That listeners was Minister Martin Hayden, Minister State at the Department of Agriculture, Food and the Marine, talking about the National Dialogue on Women in Agriculture. Listeners, my next guest this morning is Baden Pohl. And Baden, as you know, is the chairperson of the IFA in North Tipperary. And they have their AGM coming up next Thursday night. And it's in the Abbey Court Hotel at 8 o'clock. And Baden is with me to talk about that. And also during the past week, nationally, the IFA had their annual general meeting. And Baden is going to give us a report on that particular event. Good morning, Baden, and thanks for joining us. Good morning, Jim. Thanks for uh, announcing the the details of the AGM, Jim. Um, This is the rescheduled one from the frost before Christmas. And we're lucky to um, have our national president, Tim Cullinan, who's we're proud to have as our county, you know, from our county as the national president. And we're having him as the guest speaker to, and we were giving away, we're giving out a lifetime award uh, on the night as well. Um, so, no, no, no need to tell us yet who that is. We'll talk about that some other time. Yeah, yeah. More, yeah. more importantly, have you any elections or is everybody staying in their position for uh, the coming no, year? We, we're filling a new position, a few new positions, Good. and as we as we speak, uh, there's no there is no election. Uh, ever, yeah. Everything is. Um, they're all uncontested. Uh, yeah, they're all uncontested, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. OK. So, and um, Yeah. And, and then what kind of issues do you expect to, might arise at the AGM from uh, the general body? Well, I can't see it. Um, yeah. Well, I presume Tim will cover, like Tim is mm-hmm. a great man to cover what he's been doing over the year. And I'll be giving my report as well. And it, it'll be kind of different because it's my first year. And... Um, you know, maybe a different angle. You know, as to what I, what, what I, what I learnt uh, and what I saw happening on the ground with IFA, 
and um, even what happened, uh, you know, on Tuesday last, we had the AGM, the national AGM, and to see IFA working at its best with the Minister for Agriculture coming in as guest speaker, and we had Pippa Hackett and Martin Hayden on the panel. And then uh, Tuesday night for dinner, for the, we, we had the Taoiseach. So, um, you know, you get a great sense of, you know, people have always have issues and give out about different uh, ministers, but you, you get the feel that they're really trying to do their best for agriculture. And um, I know that you touched on it after the the, the climate action uh, day in Tormund Park, but uh, it, it it's now becoming uh, very important to the to the Irish Exchequer agriculture, the value of milk and beef and all meats um, being exported is. Is, is 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 after rise the value of them is after rising so it's very important for the gdp of the of, of the country and and the government is starting to acknowledge that and i think for a while they didn't <laughs> they they they, uh, they were happy with multinationals coming in and uh you know mm-hmm. we have we have our own industry now and and, and they're they are, they're saying they're going to try and look after us anyway Jim. Yeah. yeah that's very important what was the most contentious issue at the uh, AGM last Tuesday? Well, without a doubt, the most contentious, and it's nationally, uh, is, is the Gresham House investment deal with Quilchit. That's uh, It's very contentious. It's, people are very passionate about it. It, it, it raises the uh, people's, um, you know, passions for lots of reasons. Uh, probably, the, you know, there's one obvious one is... <laughs> We're on the centenary year of the foundation of the state, and uh, this is seen as a, a, a land grab, you know, uh, mm-hmm. by some. And um, it's not going down well. And the other thing is, I, I learned that a lot of the money that went to the increase in forestry didn't come out of the cap because the cap was fully played out. The cap yeah. fund it came from the Irish Exchequer uh, to go to forestry. And <laughs> it's not great that. The Irish taxpayer is uh, given a guaranteed dividend to a UK investment house. You know, it's it's, uh, it's sending out all the wrong messages. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, the forestry, you know, they've been waiting so long for a rise in premiums and for to lengthen back the premiums from 15 years to 20 years. You know, that did happen. And then to hear that a lot of that money is going to be taken up by institutions is... It's hard, hard to hard to take. Um, and, and was this matter discussed openly with the politicians in the room? Uh, it it was it was it was, it was whether it was staged or what. It, no, it was kind of um, just uh, the forestry uh, chair um, yeah. Jason Fleming from Kerry. He 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 just um, he got one swipe at it, and um, yeah. we didn't get really satisfactory answers until afterwards. Uh, the Taoiseach addressed it later at the dinner, yeah. And he, but he brushed over it saying, I know you have concerns. And I think it's been done in tranches. And I think the first tranche, I don't know how many acres is involved or how much money, uh, but mm-hmm. if it could be stopped at that, now that everyone knows what's going on, you know, I'd say that would be the, the best outcome, you know. Yeah. Um, you know, um, um, and I don't, you know, you'd have to, sit down with an economist or someone you know to know you know maybe there's lots of uh, investment comes into ireland that's needed at times you know but it's hard when it's from a farmer's point of view when it's the issue is land you know and um 
the UK is no longer, you know, a member mm-hmm. of the EC. So there's there's lots of things that don't sit well with it. Uh, you know. Yeah. I know that, and uh, I know that the ministers have comment on it, but uh, and uh, none of their com- comments uh, today seem to indicate that there would be any kind of a rollback. And uh, they keep feeding us little bits that saying that Irish farmers who are involved in forestry that they would be looked after. But you know, and I know, these things are very hard to control. Yeah, but I think I think all politicians are going. The pressure is, co- you know, nationally it's. It's, it's everyone uh, you know mm-hmm. isn't happy with this. I, I think the pressure will come on the politicians. You know they probably won't be able to change something that's happened. Mm-hmm. If there's a tranche of money yeah. and debt gone through, that's fine. But I'd say they'll be slow to open a second tranche. I, I'd imagine there'll be you know a lot of. I think IFA are going to have a national conference on it um, soon. Right. Okay. Uh, so, okay, um, Ben. Uh, what else then was uh, I? I suppose. Uh, did the price of sheep meat uh, feature anyway strongly at the AGM? It did, be, and there had been a meeting the night before in Athlone. Oh. Uh, Kevin Kinsler had had a, 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 a meeting in Athlone. I wasn't at it myself, yeah. but um, there was a big call for to return a decent subsidy to the yo to keep yeah. the yo flock. Um, and there was a call for thirty euros a yo. Now that don't don't any of the listeners think that that's but that's what we was asked for, and we it it was uh, shouted out very strong in the auditorium. Um, so um, and um, another date that uh, came up from the minister of agriculture, and it was it was uh, it, it was listened to by everyone, and it's an important thing, uh, as as everyone knows now the suckler cow reduction scheme is off the table and we're all happy about that because we want to keep our beef uh, cattle and beef breeds. Uh, The minister said if he was to introduce a reduction scheme for dairy cows and this is important, he said that 2022 would be used as the reference year so no one could go planning on increasing the herd. Someone that was you know, thinking of getting out Right, uh, uh, and uh, this is all voluntary, so I, there's no yeah. there's no compulsion in this. But uh, the, so it's important for and that, that was an important announcement. I think on the you know the 2022 would be the year. Would so be the reference no, year, is it? Would be the reference year, yeah. So, yeah. so you know, no one can start building up numbers now to reduce. Um, right. Uh, okay. That, that, that yeah. I have to go back. Well, it's always been like that. They've always picked a reference year. Normally speaking, yeah. of course, they pick a reference year over. Uh, three previous years, so he's only taking just one year. That's well, twenty-two is the, it will be the you know he was I yeah. say it was fresh fresh in his mind now and yeah. he's only starting to make it up. I'd say, but he it's definitely not it's not going to be twenty-three. Isn't going to be involved. Yes. Okay, look at I'm running out of time. Will you again remind the listeners all about uh, what's happening on next Thursday evening, more than nice in the Abbey Court? Yeah, next Thursday night, eight o'clock, Abbey Court Hotel the county Nortiferary AGM and uh, our president Tim Conan is the guest speaker and um, I'd love to have a big crowd out for him and uh, there'll be lots of issues that you can um, have a decent uh, debate with him on the night and um, looking forward to seeing people at that. Okay. Thanks, well, Jim. Okay, Baden. Thanks very much for joining us this morning. That listeners was Baden Pohl, who is the chairperson of the IFA in North Tipperary. And look at, 
all IFA members, please remember the date. It's next Thursday night. It's the Abbey Court Hotel, and it starts at 8 p.m. Just one thing before you go, Jim. Uh, there was an important uh, reminder at, at the AGM by both the Minister and the Taoiseach uh, for all farmers, and this would especially apply to dairy farmers who would have reasonably high ESB bills. Um, if you're uh, for five months of for starting in September, uh, if your ESB bill is 50% or more higher than in 2021, um, you can then through the revenue website claim back 40%. You, you'll get a re, you'll get a rebate of 40%. I think it's an important um, an announcement, and I think it'll benefit all farmers. Um, so if your ESB bill was uh, 50% or higher from on each month, and then October you do it month by month, and you and you show up both uh, of your electricity bills, you get a 40% rebate. It's all on the revenue uh, website. Okay. Well, look, thanks for that, Baden. Listeners, my final guest this morning is Fran Igo, and Fran is with Law Pro. And uh, he's usually on at this time of the year with me because uh, it's the time of the year when we're going to have World Wetland Day is on next Thursday. And for the past number of years, Fran has been running a series of stories written by people all over the country got to do with water. And this year is no different to the ones that have gone by. There is the event has been run again online on next Thursday evening at 7.30 and Fran is here to talk about it. Good morning, Fran, and thanks for joining us. Good morning, Jim, and hello to all your listeners. OK, third or fourth year and we're still going, telling stories about water. So what's exciting is going to happen uh, to anybody who will join us online, you and I, and we'll be, both of us be online that evening. Uh, wh- what exciting stories are we likely to hear about water and waterways and wetlands and maybe the ocean and maybe the rivers? Yes, Jim, th- this year, as you know, uh, we, we are running the, the event again because of uh, popular demand. A lot of people who've attended the uh, the previous events and who have read the stories online and have come back and asked us to run the event again this year. Uh, so this year, just your listeners, to explain to your listeners uh, the background to this, this started off as a, a story uh, competition, really, where we, in law pro, the local authority waters programme, we reached out to the public during the COVID pandemic, during the lockdown, and because we could not go out and engage with people on the ground, we do a lot of, you know, engagement mm-hmm. with farmers, and with the public uh, around water, around water stewardship and looking after what, what things we can do to, to protect and restore the water quality. So we couldn't do that because obviously we couldn't meet people in person. So we asked people to send in their thoughts, their memories, their childhood memories, folklore, or any stories that they had around water to celebrate really uh, the wonderful resource we have here in Ireland. And we got a phenomenal response. We had almost 500 uh, entries and we produced a book from that, mm-hmm. and that book was produced on the um, for Heritage Week uh, back uh, when the competition was originally run back in uh, 2020. And from that, then uh, people asked us, could we publish all the stories, which we did. So we published all the stories online, and um, that website is there. It's called uh, it's Stories from the Waterside 
waterside.ie, so stories from the waterside.ie, all the one word. And you can you can actually search that website for uh, by county. So uh, your listeners could check to see uh, stories from Tipperary, for example. I think we've about 14 uh, from Tipperary, mm-hmm. from north and south tip, uh, covering a whole range of, 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 of areas from, you know, the lakes, Loch Derg, the River Shore, uh, tributaries of, of, of boat. You know, a really interesting uh, collection from everything from, as I said, childhood memories, uh, some where children interviewed their grandparents, and that was a great way for people to, con- to connect during the, the COVID pandemic where, you know, people couldn't meet one on one. And then people sharing, you know, their 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 you know you know, their own I suppose knowledge or their own experiences or as I said, the folklore around a you know, a stream or a river that's local to them, you know. So what we did this time around, um, because um we felt we would we would jazz it up a bit rather than us selecting the stories, we have gone out to the story uh, writing community and also to the wider public to vote on those stories. So at the moment we have our community water officers. There are water ambassadors who work with farmers and uh, and everybody else to try and uh, protect water quality. They um, they are at the moment going through the uh, the stories that the public have voted on. So the, at the moment they're actually ranking the stories and selecting out the. Um, the, uh, the 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 I suppose the the ones that got the highest votes, uh, a bit like the Eurovision, really. yeah. And uh, so we're putting that together. So I actually don't have the final list, right, Jim, Jim? It's a work in progress. That'll be finished uh, later on this evening, and then uh, we will have everything ready to for the actual event on um, on the on the second of February, which is a, a Thursday. Yeah. Um, now I, I guess just to give you flavour. Maybe some of the stories I have that, that we do have from Tipperary, we have some really nice ones. Like, for example, I just have one here in front of me here. Uh, it's by uh, a young fella called uh, Oshin Hardy. Yeah. And he interviewed his granny. Uh, and it's called Granny's Memories of the Mulcair River. And the Mulcair River, as you probably know, um, flows from Tipperary into Limerick. So it's up near um, uh, Capamore direction. And... Uh, and the silver mines. Her story actually uh, is around, uh, is based in Keeper Hill and the, the the silver mines mountains. And what I really loved about the story is that uh, she she shared her memories of the river um, as a kid. Right. Uh, and she talked about playing imagine games such as Treasure Island on 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 the rocks in the river with her with her siblings, mm-hmm. and then going back to school and um, you know writing on the big flat stone as a blackboard, uh, writing out the memories. Yeah, and they used to go out and catch uh, the little fish um, minnows in, in mm-hmm. jars, and what they used to call them—I've never heard of, of this word before—they call them the killocks. Killocks. So that's a, a local name, obviously, for for the the minnows. Yeah, and what and, would you um, have called them? Well, I'm from Wexford originally. We actually called them the barred oaks. And we so call them gu- and we call them gudgeons. Gudgeons, and uh, and over in Limerick, I've cousins in Limerick, and they call them pinkins. Pinkins. <laughs> <laughs> now, 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 I think sometimes we mix up minnows and, yeah. and, and sticklebacks. Yeah. They're different species. They look, they're quite small. Mm-hmm. They're, the, they're the fish that kids will play with, yeah. you know, uh, you know, catch them in the jam jars and bring them home or whatever, you know. So, mm-hmm. you know, I, I guess the point that we would try to get across to people is, look, you know, if the rivers can support these, you know, these little fishes for the kids to play with, that means the rivers are healthy. Mm-hmm. And that's what we want for everybody, you know, clean water for the fish. It means clean water for us to drink and for cattle and, you know, for everybody. But that I thought was a really nice um, recollection, and, and for us in, in law pro, like we we gather those those little nuggets of information because you know it's part of a 
the historical, I suppose, um, uh, story of Ireland. And it's important that we, we capture that, you know. Um, another one is uh, Grace's Bog. And this is written by Dennis. And Dennis was 73 years old at the time of writing Dennis Heffernan. And he actually wrote in here at the end of his story, it's about the River Camogue. Yeah. Um, he, 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 he says, basically, you know, in the age, in, in the lockdown um, over the, co- the coronavirus, he says, I sit in my garden and I'm able to enjoy the quiet time as I think back on all the great memories of my childhood. I'm grateful to God for every day and God knows what lies ahead. And Jim, it was amazing the response we got from people because we actually went back out. A lot of people mentioned the COVID pandemic and, and how they found mm-hmm. solace. And in, in doing this, or I suppose, um, you know, they found a bit of enjoyment. It took them away from, you know, at the time, yeah. the COVID pandemic yeah. for some people was pretty grim and isolating. And it was a, when we actually surveyed people, we got a massive response in how they found the exercise of just writing down their memories um, to be a really positive, uh, enriching and, and rewarding and uplifting experience. And that's something we never expected. Like, we just thought we'd get in stories uh, on, you know, water. And we approached this often from a scientific point of view. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of, you know, can be quite abstract and, you know, not very engaging or emotional. And what we were getting back is, you know, basically people you know, reflecting back on their childhood, reflecting back on, you know, times where they played, you know, mm-hmm. paddling in rivers or catching fish with their parents or with their, with their friends mm-hmm. and their brothers and sisters. And the, the whole joy that these uh, water courses, water bodies have, you know, brought to them. Yeah. You know? um, another one here is from Gary Kennedy. Mm-hmm. And Gary Kennedy, as you know, was on the shore of Loch Derg. Mm-hmm. And in this one, um, Cyril Greeley, he reflected back... Um, to a time, you know, when there were the boats were on the, uh, a lot of boats coming up and then Shannon um, into into Loch Derg and, and, and moving up towards, I suppose, up to Shannon towards Athlone and uh, on Loch Ree and that. Mm-hmm. But uh, he says himself here, my mind thinks straight away to Guy Kennedy, a gem of a place at the, on the bank of the Loch Derg. At times of the year, it can be utopia. And he then he talks about, you know, it has two harbours and one being deeper than the other one and one that can berth heavier boats. And that the non-parallel boats uh, using the harbour were the Guinness boats. Yeah. So the Guinness boats then would have used the the, the Borland lift. Oh, sorry, not the Borland lift, but there was a fish lock. There is yeah. a fish lock in Arden Crusher. So what would have happened there is often peace would would, would uh, be transported down the river, down through the lake, uh, Loch Derg, down through the Arden Crusher, down through the um the the, the, the Borland lift, mm-hmm. and then uh, boats coming up uh, would come up from Limerick City. You know, they could have be both coming in from Wales or from further, you know, yeah. uh, abroad. And then they transport their goods upstream. Okay. And I have a theory about all this, because as you know, I used to work in mm. fisheries. And I'm convinced that the majority of salmon, uh, the adult salmon that travelled up the Shannon after the dam was built, because when the dams were built in Partine and Arden Crusher, they prevented fish passage. Coming up, yeah. And yes, there was a small uh, fish pass put into Partine, but there was none in Arden Crusher. And we know that the vast majority of the salmon are attracted to Arden Crusher because that's where the, vol- the biggest volume mm-hmm. of water flows, you see, so that the fish will follow the the, the, the biggest push uh, coming yeah. down river. Um, okay, so the salmon, you know, were making it up to Arden Crusher, um, but there's no, there was no fish passed there until the 1950s, to put them on called a Borland Lift. But I reckon the majority of fish were travelling up and down following the boats. If you think about it, if, yeah. you have a, if you've got a big barge travelling up river, if you were a fish, you'd probably feel quite secure underneath that barge in the shade, mm-hmm. and then they would have just gone into the boat, into the, bo- the sorry, the boat lift, yeah. and then brought up the Shannon because we we did still have a good run of salmon 
right up into the late sixties, early seventies in the um in the in, in the river and the that river. could only be explained by them having good access, you know. So okay. I think you know there's uh, yeah. a lot in that, you know. Okay, don't give away all the stories. Okay. Will you just <laughs> get will you just uh give me the details of how anybody listening to us this morning, uh Fran, will be able to join us on Thursday evening at seven thirty. Well, all they have to do is if, if they just log on to lawaters.ie, lawaters.ie, that's L-A-W-A-T-E-R-S dot I-E, um, and then uh, they'll, they'll see the um, the link, look for Stories from the Waterside, and they'll get the link to get in. Or else just Google Stories from the Waterside and, and find it there. But lawaters.ie, and they should be able to get in there. There's, there'll be a link there, and then they can just go on and they register. Just, it'll tell you what to do. Just basically click on it. It'll ask you for your, you know, your name. That's just so that we, um, uh, you know, that we have to manage you know, who comes in, and um, and then they'll, you you get your your link, and then just log in on the night. So it's very straightforward. The same as any other uh, event that you'd attend online. Okay, well, look at. I want to thank you for joining us this morning. I look forward to uh, uh, talking to you online on Thursday evening at 7.30. So there, listeners, if you want something very interesting to do on next Thursday evening, and it'll only run for about an hour and a half, but you will hear six or seven wonderful stories about water. I'm not going to say anything else. It can be water in any one of its many guises around our island. And I can assure you, you will receive some lovely entertainment. That, listeners, was Fran Igo from LawPro. That, listeners, is Ag Report for this week. I hope you enjoyed the show and that you'll join me, Jim Finn, at the same time next week for another Ag Report on Tip FM. Coming up next is the news at 10 o'clock. And after that, Eamon Dewar presents Down Your Way.